good evening, everyone. I want to thank you for joining us this evening for Season 2 of Moving Past You. Um, I am your host, Juanita Gaynor, and it has just been such a blessing to be a part of what I'm doing right now. I know it's been a minute since most have heard from us since the holiday season, but we're just so thankful for those who have been following us, who've been asking, you know, wondering what's going to go on, how is the show going to continue. And, you know, when I first started this process, it was for three months. It was going to be three months, six episodes. And God saw fit and otherwise to extend it. So now we have a weekly show starting this week. And it's just, I couldn't even just imagine, you know, this happening. I couldn't even imagine this moving forward. Um, but it's because of one thing, and that's obedience to God, and that is definitely something I'm going to really focus on our show this evening, but I just wanted to go over what we did for season one. You know, this show is about identifying our distractions, our hurdles, the things that are keeping us and blocking us from moving forward in our divine purpose, and we have to identify these things within ourselves before we can openly minister and openly seek you know, to bring others to the light. But as we are doing that self-searching and self-wanting, what's happening is that people are watching our testimony. People are seeing how we're living. And because of the transparency that we should be having, we are drawing people. You know, this being a believer is not something that is just magical. You know, I wish, you know, someone told me when I was younger that you're going to have ups and downs, you're going to have some bruises, you're going to get your heart broken, but it's about how you come out of it, not how you stay in it. So last season we went over and discussed, you know, the topics like, you know, what's God's will for my life. And not only was that something that, other people were asking. That was something that I was dealing with on a consistent basis. I didn't understand what he wanted, how he wanted me to move, you know, and I got tired of waiting because I thought that everything was supposed to happen immediately. And as I began to identify his will, I then understood what his purpose was in me waiting. And that purpose was to purge me, to move things out of the way, to begin to press me to where he has me right now. And so all last season, it was really about dealing with waiting. And for anyone who doesn't like to wait, waiting on God is, can be sometimes the hardest thing that we have to do. Because what we don't understand is that our time and his time are not the same. But it's after where we begin to walk like him and want what he wants for us that his time becomes our time. Our wants become his wants and vice versa. So, therefore, there is a purpose in waiting, you know. And when he says to wait, that's, for me, it has been crazy because I can understand no. I can understand maybe. But when you tell me to wait, I'm thinking that I've done something wrong. And a lot of the times when he tells us to wait, he is protecting us for something. So 
we often take that protection as punishment. We all sometimes take that weight as punishment when he's really protecting us from something or he is clearing out the brush of something so he can make it possible for us to move forward. There are some things he has to move. There are some things he's got to do before we can walk forward and move forward in our purpose. So, therefore, we have to wait on things. But in that process, we have to give him thanks. We have to just be thankful to him because what it does is that being with a grateful heart shows him that we're open for more, that we're prepared for more, that we get it, we understand it, we may not like it, but we are willing to push past us for his glory. So when I say how I got to this point, it definitely was obedience. And one scripture that has been prevalent in this process that God has taken me through, it has been Jeremiah 29, 11. And I'm going to read the King James Version, and I'm going to read the Amplified Bible Version. And the King James Version reads as such, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. And in the Amplified Bible, it reads as such, For I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Once I really began to understand what he was saying, it became much easier for me to be obedient. And when you think of what obedience is, Biblical obedience is a bit different than just general obedience overall. Like we obey traffic laws, we, you know, obey, not necessarily obey our bosses, but we tend to, when they ask us to do something, we do what they ask us to do. You know, if our paycheck is attached to that, we're polite. That is just general obedience. But when I'm talking about biblical obedience, it requires us to hear, trust, and to submit and to surrender to God and his word. And that is a lot to do because a lot of times we hear from God and because we're so in our own head and so in our own way, we'll hear it, but we'll be like, no, I don't want to do that. And if you're not there, that's okay. I know I was. I know I was like, no, I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to forgive her. No, I don't want to talk to him. I just don't want to do that. And that doesn't work for him. Even though he has given us free will, he has given the choice for us whether we're going to obey or not, that doesn't work for him in the grand scheme of things because he has a purpose that we must produce. You know, God's word is going to, not going to return void. He can't lie. So what begins to happen, and he was showing me, is that you're either going to get in line with the purpose that I have purposed you and lined up for you, that I have put on you since the day you was in the womb, that the enemy has been trying to fight to take you out. You're either going to line up or I'm going to move you out the way and put someone else in place because this purpose must go forward. And I was like, yeah, I don't want you to do that. 
because it wasn't that I didn't hear him and I didn't trust him. I had a problem with submitting. And the reason why I had a problem with submitting was because I didn't want to do with the accountability of what was required. I didn't want to do that. I was good in my own little zone because I knew what he was showing me and what he was projecting me to was going to require me to have a higher accountability. It was going to require me to study more. It was going to require me to be more accountable not only to myself but to the people that he was positioning me in the place of to minister to. And I didn't want that. So therefore what happened was I decided I didn't want it. And two years ago, he put me in a waiting pattern. He put me in a nice little holding pattern. And in that holding pattern, really it started 2015 is really when things begin to just go haywire. He was removing people from my life that I depended on, that I cared for, that I cared about. But, you know, these people will always be people that, could pray me out of a situation, that could talk me off a ledge, that could, you know, bring me, you know, perspective. And therefore, I didn't have to do it myself. I had an excuse to stay where I was. So in 2015, he began to sift. And that was painful for me because I was accustomed to at least being able to leech onto somebody so that I wouldn't have to deal with and recognize my own pain, my own suffering. You know, even though I said I had healed from certain things from being abused as a child, there was a part of me that still held on to that victim mentality because it was comfortable, because it felt good, because it didn't require me to do more than just be a victim. So I, I kind of liked it. When I think back on it, I kind of liked it. It wasn't bad. It was real good. But God didn't like it because there was too many people who were dependent on me to get my act together. I knew this, but I wasn't ready in my mind to go through that process. And then later on in 2015, he began really pushing and prodding, and I really had to begin to dig deep down. And I know there's a lot of people who say you should never go see a counselor, you should never go see a therapist. Well, that's not my testimony because God was like, you need to see someone else. You need to see someone who I've given the knowledge and have equipped to help you deal with the pain that you're dealing with because if you don't, I cannot use you for the kingdom because you're no good to yourself. And so I remember going through this process and talking with my therapist, and I remember the initial session, she, you know, was giving me my diagnosis, and I'm not afraid to, you know, share that. You know, I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, clinical depression, and this all comes from me being physically and sexually abused as a child. And 
always thinking it was my fault, always thinking that I had done something to deserve this type of behavior that was exhibited towards me, not understanding that it had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with others, but it was also to bring me to the point in which he had brought me to in 2015. And then, of course, in 2016, my world was rocked again when he took someone else who could just pray me through anything. And I was lost because now I realized that I really have to lay before him, seek him, and pray for myself. I can't depend on someone else to talk me off that ledge. I can't depend for someone else to just be that heir, and I can just sit back and remain in my victim status. I had to move forward. And so what that, what that did in that year was, okay, I knew that I was not strong enough to handle that on my own. So what I did with the help and God's you know, guidance, I began to purge people. And it's not that, you know, some people may say that I cut them off, that I'm not talking to them anymore. No, I purged. God allowed the purge to happen. It had to happen because I wasn't moving or being effective to the kingdom. I had stopped ministering in songs. I had just stopped ministry altogether. I was a shell of myself. And God needed me to get it together. So he pared down people that were around me. He pared down my living situation. He, you know, put me in a place where it wasn't a bunch of luxury and laps of luxury. It was real succinct, real basic, but it allowed him to have one-on-one time with me. And during that process and during that time, I identified and was able to understand eight main reasons why God was telling me that he needed me to be obedient to him. And the first one was it's because he calls us to do it. You know, when you look at the Bible, when you read the Bible, Jesus is the perfect model for obedience. You know, as his disciples, we follow his example as well as his commands. Our motivation to be obedient is John fourteen fifteen, And then he says it, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And when I look at his journey, he took on things that, we individually, we probably wouldn't have done, but he was obedient to his father. And so, therefore, it didn't matter what his will was. He was doing exactly what his father instructed him to do and wanted him to do. And even though he had his moments where he was like, do I really got to do this? He never disobeyed what his father told him to do. Now, why do I stress that? Because he had his moments. This time he asked, he asked his father, you know, do I have to drink of this cup? Do I got to do this? And I'm just breaking it for those Bible scholars that are listening. I am breaking it down in layman's terms. So I'm not going to be saying it everything as it would be in the Bible, but I'm breaking it down in layman's terms. 
you know, how we, I would just talk. And basically he said, hey, do I have to do this? And then after he asked the question, he says, never mind, I got it. I know I have to do that. Had a moment of weakness, had a moment of lapse. I'm back on track. So he's shown us that we can be obedient, we can have our moments, but we can't stay in that moment. We have to get up and we have to move forward and do what God has instructed us to do. You know. And number two, what I learned about obedience, it was one of the ultimate acts of worship. It was when I became obedient, when I would just pick up that Bible and read for 20 minutes, or I would do some research, or I would pick up a book, or I would pray because he directed me to at that point. It was so fulfilling. It was peaceful. It gave me something that I was trying to search for and trying to find because obedience is an act of worship. You know, it's critical for us to believe that and we know that we're not justified, you know, or made righteous by our obedience. You know, salvation is a free gift of God. And we can do nothing to merit it. However, being a true believer, obedience flows from the heart of gratitude for the grace we've received. And when I look back on my life, and when I look back at the things that I used to do, trust me, I should be in somebody's jail, underneath somebody's jail, or in somebody's mental institution. And I am sitting here with my full faculties, activity of my limbs. I can talk. I can move. I can do all of those things because he had grace upon me and knew and wanted me to do something even greater, that he was willing to work with me until I got to that point. So for me, obedience is, is more than anything. It's my life. Because without it, I could not do anything. And you know what? God rewards obedience. If you read in the Bible over and over again, he blesses and rewards obedience. You know, James 1, and 25 says, but don't listen to God's word. You must do it as it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So when we pick up that word and when we read it, we can't just glance it and just, you know, just say, oh, I'm just going to flip open the page and I'm going to stop here. No. We have to sit in that word. We have to study that word. We have to meditate on that word. And then we have to act on that word. And in order for him to reward us, we have to act on it. We have to do what it says. And right, I'm a living witness of him being blessing and rewarding me for my obedience. You know, I would have never thought that in 2019, right now, that I have 
my own radio show that is doing really well, that I have businesses that he has blessed me with. I have an event business that has been, um, as of next month, 25 years. Even in my mess, he was blessing me. You know, the accounting business, a foundation, connections that I have made through his being obedient. So I know it's not of me. I know it's not of my doing. I know it's not because I decided that, you know what, I'm just going to obey him today, and we're just going to do this, and he's just going to give me everything. That is just not how it works. <laughs> it's not how it works at all, you know. Also, what I've learned about obedience is that it proves our love to him. It proves to him that we are willing to do what it takes, what's necessary to grow and to show the light. You know, the best one, the best books in the Bible for um, really clearly explaining, you know, that God's obedience, you know, obedience to God um, is demonstrates our love, is the books of First and Second John. Um, so if you get a chance, definitely read those particular, and they're small, short ones, so definitely read those. You know, letting God, you know, implies following his commands. And I know sometimes we think, well, I love God. You can't love God when you just push your sister out. You can't love God when you don't love your neighbor. You can't love God if you don't love yourself. And I'm really going to get into that. You know, I really had an issue, not even an issue, I struggled with when it says love thy neighbor as thyself. Well, for a great part of my life, I didn't love myself. I despised what I saw in the mirror. I really didn't care. Um, I, was, I was just done with it. I was just like, okay, what are we going to do? How is this? I was just walking through the motions of my life. That is all that I was doing. I was walking through the motions of my life. And it wasn't until I took the time to go through therapy so they can rip that Band-Aid off so that we can clean out all of that infection and so that it can heal properly that I began to love myself. And once I began to love myself, loving my neighbor became very easy. Being my sister's keeper and my brother's keeper became very easy because I wanted them to be in the best light just like I wanted myself. So, therefore, I wasn't going to be trying to hurt them with my words. I wasn't trying to do crazy stuff and, you know, mistreat them because I wouldn't want someone to do that to me. So... I had to go through the process of learning to love myself, getting to the root cause of the pain and the struggles and the disappointments and the hurts. You know, there's so many of us that are walking around and you're trying to serve and you're trying to minister and you're trying to move forward and it's difficult because you haven't done the work necessary to take out that infection, to remove it so that you can walk, 
with God and be that light. Some of us are afraid of going through that purging process because what will happen is just like, well, what will someone, what will someone say? How is someone so going to look at me? You know, they're going to talk about me. The people who are going to talk about you, they're going to talk about you. But sometimes you have to go through that process because there are people who are watching how you go through that process. There are people looking at you to see how you make it through because you making it to the next point and you getting to the other side is going to help them get to their next part. So sometimes when we're going through things and we don't understand why we're going through what we're going through, it's because we're going through it because there's some others that are waiting for us to get to the next part of our journey so that they can get to the next part of theirs. Sometimes we mistake that friends and family are those that we know should be walking hand in hand and side by side with us through the journey when, in fact, most of the times we are directed to be ahead of them because we are blazing the way just like Jesus and God, and he's blazing the way. And then when we're in our holding pattern, they're sometimes in their holding pattern because we can't move until God clears out what he needs to clear out, either in the path and the way or even within us. So don't think about what someone else is going to think, what someone else is going to do. We have to do what God needs us to do. Also, what I learned about obedience to God, it demonstrates our faith. And that is a big one for most, dealing with their faith. How are we going to do this? What are we going to do? You really want me to just trust and believe and not see how this is going to play out. And obedience, that's what that means. It's having complete confidence in him, complete confidence that he will do exactly what he said, when he said it, and how he said he was going to do it. And can that be hard? Yeah, it can be hard because we can't see what he already knows. So we have to walk in faith and trusting him and what he's going to do and when he's going to do it. Now, if you're like me, you can't give me the whole, the whole thing up front because the way I operate sometimes, if I know that I'm going to have $15 million, he's going to take me to $15 million, I'm going to try to figure out and find out what is the quickest and shortest way to get to that end point. I, I lose all focus because now I know everything. So, therefore, I'm trying to figure out and think I overthink. And that happens with my, you know, doing events. I think through the whole process. I lay it out. I make different scenarios. But I can't think like that and use that mind when I'm serving him. I have to be a one-track mind with him. So therefore, with me, he doesn't tell me the whole process. He gives me bits and pieces so that I can stay on my P's and Q's so that I can understand I need to do certain things, you know, because 
most of us, if, if any of you are like I am, we want to know everything up front. We want to know the hows, the whens, the wheres, the whys, and that just isn't how it works. That's just not how it works. You know, having faith is hard, and it definitely does not come easy. But if you think about it, it's just like the muscles of your body. Faith must be exercised to grow. You know, you may have to go one inch the first day, two inches the second day, three inches the third, you know, just like with any other activity into which you are growing, faith must be exercised every day. You know, when Matthew seventeen twenty says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can accomplish amazing things in God. You know, the mustard seed, if you think about it, though, it needs to be watered each and every day for it to grow. Now, the thing with the mustard seed or any plant that you would plant, it can seem like nothing is happening for a long time. But then one day it just bursts into the biggest tree you got. But you have to exercise it. You have to water it. You have to nurture it in order for it to grow. So it is a day-by-day process with faith. So don't think it's just going to happen overnight. That's just not what's going to happen. Now, I think when it comes to obedience, I say this a lot because I, this is really not, not necessarily a mantra, but this is something also that I live by because this is just from my experiences, my trials, my tribulations, my testimony. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Now, you have different versions of sacrifice. So let me help with the word sacrifice. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, sacrifice. You know, it's mostly Lent and sacrifice and giving up something to better yourself or, you know, going without or whatever. I'm not talking about that kind of sacrifice. The sacrifice that I'm talking about is because you chose not to be obedient, you have now sacrificed a blessing or an opportunity or, you know, your relationship with God. That's the type of sacrifice that I'm talking about. You know, and I will always say that obedience is better than sacrifice. I know what that sacrifice feels like. There has been times that I've decided that I was going to walk away and do what I wanted to do, and then I did not feel covered. Because basically, he didn't, like, take his hands off of me and not love me, but he was like, since you don't want to keep your hands out of this, I'm done. And it wasn't like a done in the matter of, you know, think of his parents. You know how you're dealing with your children and you done told them and told them and, you, and you're trying to guide them and you just say, oh, you want to be grown? Okay, you handle that. And it's not like the parents are not there to help once, that help, once they've decided that they're not going to act like they know it all. They're just that I'm not going to keep inserting myself into the situation and you don't want me there. And that's what God did with me. He said, you obviously do not want me here, so I'm going to back up. 
You know, that is one of the amazing things about God. He doesn't just put himself in your life. He doesn't just say, oh, you know what, I'm just going to kick open the door and just sit here and chill and, and, and just make you want me. We have to let him in. We have to invite him in to our lives. So he is not going to just bulldoze his way in. And at any point in time we show him that we're not interested, he will let us be. He will not force himself on us. And what we think is we think that we've gotten it good. We're living our so-called best life. We're doing whatever we want to do. But now we feel alone. Now we feel lost. Now the things that we thought we were doing and the, the life that we thought we were living and how God was moving us, that doesn't seem to be moving in the same place anymore. You're beginning to notice that the people that you thought was with you when they were, when they were convincing you to go left, when they were convincing you to go left, they were your buddies, your pals, your friends, they were rooting you on. But now you don't went left with them, they done left you. And you sitting there with a flat tire that done hit a pothole and you don't know what to do. And then we decide we're going to come back, but what you don't, what I had to understand was that, oh, you just don't come back to where you were. You have to start over because what has to happen is that all the craziness, all the stuff that you've allowed to come in, you now, we've got to get that out of you. The wrong thinking, you have to now be put back on the path. So you can't go back to where you started from. You've got to go back and redo it and relearn those things before you can then get back and now go right. So not only have you sacrificed your relationship with God, you sacrificed time. And then also when you would decide to sacrifice and do what you want to do, you have to think about it's also selfish. And I didn't want to accept that it was selfish. Because people say, well, what do you mean it's selfish? Because how should I say this? I was talking, I was doing a show and was discussing about, you know, my childhood abuse, and a young lady inboxed me, and she said, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for being so transparent. Thank you for being open, because I didn't think I would ever be able to get to a point of being normal. And it blew me away because I didn't realize me not talking, me not moving, me not being obedient was depriving others who needed me to be so. And that was being selfish on my part because there are people out there that need to hear our testimony, that need to hear what we've been through, and they can see where we're at today because some of them are so down and out and blind and hurt that they can't even see that they can have a productive life because they don't even know what it looks like. They're still in their victimhood because they don't know that they can come out of it and move forward. And even in their healing process, they can prosper. So, therefore, you never want to sacrifice your relationship and your walk by being disobedient. And it's not to say that you can't come back from 
being disobedient. But you have to realize now it's longer. And so the people that you were meant to touch and the people that you were meant to inspire are waiting longer for you to do what you know you were supposed to do. Now, I'm not talking about those who didn't know. I'm talking about those who know what they're supposed to do and decide they're going to do the opposite. And when I decided that I was going to get back on track, I promised myself, I promised God, and I promised all the people that I didn't know of yet that I would not do that again. Because since then, there has been so many people that have been touched and moved and lives possibly saved by me being obedient to God's word. You know, um, disobedience leads to sin and death. I think that's really self-explanatory. Because if you think about um, in Genesis, and when you think about Adam, disobedience of Adam brought sin and death into the world. And they use this as the term as the basis of the original sin, you know, but Christ's perfect obedience restores fellowship with God for everyone who believes in him. And so I want to break down, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, Eve brought him the apple and blah, blah, blah. I understand that. But this is what I need people to understand about the whole thing. God did not give the directive to Eve. He gave the directive to Adam. And let me put this in modern-day terms. I'm a manager, and the director, I report to the controller. And I have staff. Now, the controller has told me, I need the tax return done by April 1st so that we can prepare for the auditors. Okay. He didn't call a team meeting. He didn't call a department meeting. He called me into his office and said, this is what needs to happen. Okay. So what I do I say, oh, you know, team, the, the, the um, tax return needs to be done for the audit, and I keep doing what I need to do. So April 1st comes, and it's not done. He's not going to my team. He's not going to anybody I manage. He's coming to me because he gave me the directive to do it and no one else. It was my responsibility to make sure that it was done. If that meant coaching my team, moving them along, getting everything together, it was my responsibility to get it done and make sure it was done properly. Because at the end of the day, he didn't come to my team, he would come to me. And that's the same thing with Adam and Eve. God gave the directive to Adam. If Eve ate the entire tree, he gave the directive to Adam. You know, and sometimes what happens is, is that what we do is we'll say, even in ministry, we'll say, oh, well, he, so-and-so didn't tell me to do that. Oh, I told so-and-so to do it. But you were given the directive. 
So disobedience can lead to us not being accountable for our actions. And you definitely don't want that. Because disobedience, all it does is that it, it hinders your relationship, it kills your relationship with God, you know, it stops the purpose in its tracks. And continued disobedience, he will remove you and put someone else in place. And when I say that, let's think about another real-world situation. We are thinking about the big bailout. When um, I always tell, I do a devotional, and I tell them, we are too big to fail. God has invested in us, and we are too big to fail. And then someone said, what do you mean by that? I said, think about when we had the AIG incident, and AIG was close to bankruptcy. And people were upset that the government bailed out AIG. Well, AIG was too big to fail. Failure of AIG would have just been catastrophic. It would have caused jobs, hurt, pain. It would have just been too catastrophic. So they had to bail them out. Now, that doesn't mean that the people who made the decisions were still in place. They were quietly moved along, and the company continued to stay. That is the same thing when you think about God and his purpose in the kingdom. We are too big to fail. However, that doesn't mean we have a carte blanche right to continue to sin, to continue to be disobedient, and not think that he isn't going to just say, you know what, this isn't for you, I need this done, I'm going to remove you, and I've got to put someone else in place. Now, it's not going to get done the way you would have done it the way he purposed you to have done it, but it still has to happen. So, therefore, he is not going to let it fail. His word cannot return back to him void. He cannot lie. So, therefore, if you don't want to get in line, he's going to move you over and he's going to put someone in place so that purpose can finish because there are people that are dependent on segments being done. You know, so you can't just say, I'm going to do what I want to do. That's just, you can't do it. So if you want to be disobedient and you just still just want to do what you want to do, I pray that you decide to come back to obedience. You know, choose life because in him it's a greater reward. It's a greater fulfillment. It's a greater, it's a greater commitment. So we don't want you to be out there on the island all on your, by yourself lonesome. At least I don't. I know other people may, but I don't. I want everyone to win. I want everyone who believes to move forward and be prosperous in what they need to do, always. Also, through obedience, we experience the blessings of holy living. You know, so only Jesus is perfect, you know, and therefore only he could be sinless and sinless perfect obedience. But see, this is when the Holy Spirit, you know, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to transform us from within, and we grow in holiness. 
you know, and this is also known as the process of sanctification, you know, which can also be described as spiritual growth. You know, the more we, we read God's word and spend time with Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to change us from within, the more we grow in obedience and holiness as believers. Now, this is not a one-shot stop. This isn't saying we got saved today and we got everything all taken care of and all worked out tomorrow. This is a process. This is, you know, taking the time, understanding what needs to be done, you know, reading the word, having him work on you, removing things that is not of him, you know. It's just not, okay, I'm saved and everything is going to be perfect. No, it isn't. That is when the work begins. That is when it moves forward. That's when the enemy, if he ain't never came for you before, he's going to come for you now. Because what many of us don't understand is that the enemy cannot kill us. He has to have permission. So what he does is he will put us in situations or he'll do stuff to us to make us tap out, to make us give out. So what you know what he does? Be like, see, I didn't do it. I didn't kill him. I didn't tell him to stop. They decided to do it on their own. And that's what he does. So he'll sneak and do things. He's sneaky, though. He'll sneak and do it. He'll slip and slide. You know, he'll make you try to make you think that you're worthless. He'll try to make you think that your sister in Christ doesn't like you, and so therefore you're justified in not liking her. He'll make you think that it's okay to stay bitter and cold and just mean and angry. He'll convince you that you don't need healing out of your situation, that it's okay to be where you're at, that you don't need any more. And he is so sneaky enough that he'll bless you with things of the world. Yes, he can do it too. You forget he was an angel. Forget, you know, he knows the word just like we do. And because he knows the word, he is even more intent on making sure we don't follow it. He knows that word. He knows what the promises are, and he knows that God cannot lie. So he knows it all has to come to fruition. So he is doing his very, very best at making sure that you don't move forward. So he's going to slip and slide, dip and dive. He's going to do all those things. And then when you say, you know what, I'm not doing this anymore, I don't feel like doing it. And you know when he goes back to God, you see, I told you that they wasn't really living for you. I told you I didn't need to touch them. This is why you have to put on the whole armor of God. This is why you have to read your word. This is why you have to have communion with other believers and other saints because it shields us, it protects us. You need somebody that's praying with you that can keep you accountable as well. Obedience to him is the utmost out of everything that I can say that has been the best for me. 
you know, when we talk about being amongst the church, and we will talk about that this season, um, it's been two years since I stepped forward in the church because I was so battered and abused, you know, mentally and emotionally. I was just drained. I was tapped to my core. And I was just like, you know what, I do not need to be involved with people again. That's where I was. And what I realized is that I did need the time to recharge. I did need the time to, you know, find myself. And what I realized is that as a leader, I was just shelling out myself I was never being filled, and then once everything hit the fan, I became a shell of myself to the point where I didn't know if I was coming or going, to the point where it just didn't matter anymore, to the point where I had ministered and sung in over two, three years. I didn't have joy anymore. So the time that I was taken away from the physical you know, physically, you know, worshiping at a church, God was restoring me. God was, you know, purging me from all the infection and all the things that I was going through that was giving me drama. He was bringing me back to him, back to study. You know, he had to remove people, sequester me from certain things. And I began to now, I miss that fellowship. I miss working with the kids. I miss singing on the choir and the praise team. I miss teaching. And as that passion began to grow, because of my obedience, I started the show. Then I had another sister who needed assistance, and then I started helping her with the devotional. And as I began to be obedient when God was telling me to move, that passion not only did it come back, it was like, okay, I'm ready to do and take this to the next level. But we can be hurt. We can be, you know, completely washed out of those things, you know, of people in church and whatever. So we got to understand that the church is supposed to be a place for all those who are sick to come for healing. We're supposed to be uplifting, seeking one another, praying for one another, but it's a process. It is a process to go through. So not not all churches are bad, but you got to understand we all have our own unique, special issues. But we got to understand that God sees us all in our own unique, special way. So how He is blessing one person is not how He's blessing you. You know how one person is going through their trials and tribulations is not how you're going through yours. How he's, you know, blessed you and moved you and done that, someone else is different. So we can't be looking at how someone else came through something or how someone else moved something. We have to be focused on what God wants us to do and then be open and loving with our hearts and compassion to help those around us and to be the light to those around us because we are our brothers and sisters keepers. We have to show that love, we have to show that compassion, and we have to be consistent with it. Again, 
Obedience is the key. Obedience. Nothing above, nothing, love, of course, but being obedient is going to help you get to all of the other things, reading your words and being and having that one-on-one relationship with him because that is the most important thing is having that relationship with God because when you have that, you talk to him like you talk to, your, you know, your best friend, you know. Talk to him. I did times I tell him, like, Lord, I am scared. Like, okay, I don't know. I know that you have the best interest in me. I know you've got, you got me, but I'm scared because this is something I've never done before. And he knows that we are, but we sometimes have to voice it, just like we would talk to our parents or our best friend. I'm scared of this venture. I'm scared that, you know, am I going to be able to reach somebody and teach somebody? And he's always answered back yes. He's always answered back yes. So what can you expect this season on Moving Past You? Oh, my goodness. We are definitely, we have a segment and actually a complete series dealing with church hurt and abuse. And this is something that is near and dear to my heart because I think so many people kind of misunderstand what that is. Most people think church hurt is when somebody gets told that they couldn't do something and they leave. And what I want others to understand is that that actual situation was the straw. There were so many things that led up to that particular situation that many do not know that happened. So I have a a roster of beautiful people who are coming on board and will be guests, you know, for the series to just talk about their, you know, situation, how they were able to move forward and how they were able to grow, you know, from that particular hurt and not let it keep them down and out and have them not walk in the purpose that God has for them. Also, we're going to talk about getting back to basics, compassion and love. Everything, if you do everything in compassion and love, people will be open to hearing it. So we have to get back to the basis of that, and we'll be discussing that this season also. Also, another thing that I feel that us as believers, we're not fully getting the full advantage of is financial stewardship. And that is where the accountant side of me will come in, and we will talk about financial stewardship. We will have definitely, you know, financial, you know, experts, you know, on the show, as well as those that are versed who are biblically, you know, in biblical financial stewardship as well. We want our believers, and I want our listeners to have all of the tools that they need to be in a better place financially. And also, we will just have some straight. Bible talk. Um, there's definitely topics that most people are interested in or particular scriptures that, you know, we have, we hear that people take out of context that we're going to just go into a little bit deeper, dive into, understand what they're, you know, saying, read the full context of what it means and help to get a better understanding of what that is. You know, as for everyone who's definitely, you know, we're in Lent season, and I do observe Lent. Um, I know many, you know, there are many 
Christians who, who do not, but I do observe when I feel that it's a necessary part of bringing me closer to God in my relationship and what we need to do, and it just it, it fine-tunes. It's like every Lent season, he gives me something else to focus on. He gives me something else to fine-tune. He gives me a new directive. He gives, you know, he gives me a little bit more glimpse of what he has me doing in my purpose and what he needs me to do. So I look forward to the Lent season every year. He, he gives me that inspiration all throughout the year. However, you know, however, you can, you know, Lent season is just that time he really focuses on it and he hones in on it and he does it very well. Um, so for those who are practicing or who are, you know, actively seeking Lent, we're definitely going to keep you in prayer. For those who are fasting and, you know, turning that plate down, we definitely want to keep you in prayer and, you know, that God is going to direct you to what he needs you to do for the overall benefit and goodness of the kingdom. You know, so... That is what's going to happen on this season of Moving Past You. Um, I am, Again, I'm so blessed and I'm so thankful. Um, definitely want to, a quick shout-out to Dr. Um, Porter. Um, she was very instrumental in starting this process for me, um, and I would always say to her, because of her, her obedience, um, I was able to be obedient to what God was telling me when it came to um, starting the show. So I definitely want to, you know, Dr. Marilyn Porter, um, a shout-out because without her obedience, I would not be here today. So I thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to the, um, our radio show for Moving Past You, our season premiere um, Definitely be sure to visit us on our Facebook page to definitely join the additional conversation, any, you know, show notes and some bonus content. Um, Also, we will be back each week, every Thursday, 7 p.m., we will be on here just doing it up live, maybe some recorded. We'll have great panels, um, great content. Um, If you can't get it live, you can also... um, Find us on iTunes and Spotify and many of the major um, podcast players, um, usually within 48 or to, yeah, some 48 hours after the show has aired. But again, I want to thank you for being with us this evening. Know that I love you. Know that we're always blessed. And there's something that I always want you to definitely take with you. I want you to always remember to be kind in your words, in your thoughts, and in your deeds because it's in those things that life and death lies in the power of your tongue. And so, therefore, I want you to take that in consideration any time that you're talking or speaking or doing something for someone. I love you guys. I will see you next week, same time, same location. And if you have any other questions, you need show ideas and notes, again, hit us up on our Facebook page. Just search for Moving Past You, and you will find us. And come on and join. Be blessed and have a wonderful, wonderful evening.